Welcome to the show, everyone. I have Sana, and you can find her on Twitter at Sana the Monster. She's we're going to specialize on a few areas, specifically philosophy and personalized knowledge. But she is an expert on branding. So thank you so much for coming on, and I'm grateful for your time, Sana. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation, Justin. This is it's a pleasure. Awesome. So uh, let's dive in. And the question we'll start with is, how have you built your critical thinking skills? Yeah, that's interesting. I recently wrote a thread about critical thinking skills and how you can boost them. And I think I've got a little bit of flack for it because I believe that most of my thinking skills, most of what I've learned about life and about what I know now came outside of college, outside of my college degree. And it doesn't mean that college isn't, you know, helpful or something that can progress your life. It definitely did for me. But to the extent of where I'm trying to learn and really, really think, I don't think that my college really set me up that way. And what I needed to do was I needed to filter what my experience was, how I was learning things and focus on being conscious of how I was learning things. I don't think that we naturally look at how we learn, right? When we approach something, we're just sort of like, is this for us? Is this not for us? What do we take? What do we not take? We're not consciously looking at how we're doing the thinking to set things up. So they're like little puzzle pieces in our minds. And when I realized I was doing this, it was over a long period of time. I just sort of landed into feeling like, you know, I like to research a lot. I like to like, I love books. I love reading. Oh, and then I love to highlight. And then I love to like write in the margins. What is this author really trying to tell me? And, you know, I thought I was just having my own quirks and obsessions until I started Uh, reading about critical thinking and also listening to others who had sharp critical thinking as well. And it was also about being around coaches and leaders who were doing some of the activities that I was naturally starting to do and realizing I was just a little bit of a step ahead and I needed to lean into it. And I don't think that we look at these things that we do, like highlighting a book or, you know, pondering over a book or like absorbing the information. I don't think we look at these aspects of our life as critical thinking, that we're engaging in critical thinking. And yeah, I guess it was for me, it was just being conscious of it. And it happened over a long period of time. I can't tell you exactly when it started, you know, probably started very young and like it does for all of us, but the level of conscientiousness around my critical thinking started to happen within the end of college near getting outside of it. And ever since then, I've really been interested in how people think, you know, the, the field of psychology and perception is super interesting to me, endlessly, endlessly interesting, but not only that philosophy is super interesting, how people think about things, the way they think about where they derive meaning from and where the value and beliefs are in certain statements. It works out slightly formulaically, but then you get to hear people's personalities. If you're listening closely, Um, this is all nuance that you don't normally get if you're not engaging 
with that conscientiousness of like, oh, I'm thinking right now. Oh, I'm going to listen to you and gather information, actively listen to what it is that you're saying. Um, so that's probably my answer to that question. I, the, the piece that really sparked in my head was sometimes you're not truly actively listening. And I've always been a very detailed person, but in school, it seems we're all given the same type of subjects to pick from. And of course, every individual has unique natural interest. And that's a big thing that I'd like to hammer home because I, I viewed myself throughout my schooling as more of an athlete, someone who doesn't like to learn. But then I found out after school that I do love to learn. I just like to choose what I'm actually interested in. Well, and they, they make us read books that we're not naturally, naturally intrigued by. But now I catch myself reading when no one's telling me to read. And I absolutely love it. So it's an interesting topic of how each person thinks. And I think we, we must understand that every person is going to have their own fields of specific interest. And that is good because you don't want a bunch of humans who are exactly the same. That would just not be fun. But how our schools are built, it's almost like a, a robotic system well, I think it would be so wonderful if our schools gave the individuals, hey, at a young age, what do you, what are some maybe three topics that you really want to dive into and let the, the students really delve into their personal interest. And that would create such a, a, a better environment for all adolescents and like you said, you went to college and it, this doesn't occur quickly. It takes a long time to really figure out, oh, wow, I'm interested in philosophy or I'm interested in whatever. But it's just, it, it upsets me when the average Joe thinks that they they must go and work a nine to five rather than creating and using their natural fields that they are drawn to. But that's just how the system kind of produces. Yeah, I think some of the things that you brought up are interesting, right? Like this idea of what you were like or what being an athlete was supposed to be like in school. Um, I think a big thing also about us perceiving what our role is in society is heavily based upon what other people have said that that is right. So you see athletes not interested in books or reading only interested in sports. And that's the life that you lead until you realize it's not dependent, you know, for you to not be an athlete to read books. You can read books. It's like, a, it's a logical fallacy. And most things that we do in life especially in tribal systems, like when we're young, schooling, socialization, all of that is where we learn to label one another. And it's actually one of the biggest ways where we can limit our own authenticity, our own unique way of showing up and sharing our value with the world. 
And the biggest thing I find, you know, based on what you were saying about how it makes you feel to see a lot of people not really own who they are and own what it is that they want to do because they're so scared of living, you know, outside of what people are basically making up their lives to be like fear of other people's opinions, FOPO, right. As we know it. So I think being labeled is a big mistake. Letting other people label who you are is a humongous mistake. And I think all of us go through it to some degree, unless we had, you know, parents who really, really trained us and thought through us during those uh, times where they could tell us, you know, keep your head high, treat oppositions that people give you as an objection. This is something that I wrote in a thread recently where if somebody tells you, hey, Justin, athletes don't read, well, then you're going to think that's going to make you think, unless you accept that to be true, which is a lot, literally a logical fallacy, doesn't equate to anything. Athletes can definitely read. But if you were to go back in time and start to be more aware and start to critically think about this statement, doesn't it sound a little funny? Doesn't it sound like it's total BS? And your way of reasoning through these objections that people give you is your way of being able to become your own representative, right? Your own public PR representative, essentially, public relational, you know, rep. And that's cool because that's one of the skills that you kind of need to develop as a creator anyway, right? First, not letting fear overtake you of other people's opinions because fear is the biggest barrier to authenticity. But after that, pushing past it and learning to be that creator that you were talking about, I'm, there is a whole list of like, I think 15 mistakes that I think people make when they're trying to be authentic online and they totally mess up because they're like, you know, essentially fitting into one of these buckets. The idea of a label, that's a good area that we can dive into because it, we've all done it to ourselves and you kind of, over time, it took me a long time to find out who I really was, but those labels, they're so, they're thrown around so consistently in our society and it, it does nothing but limit your potential, like you said, but when you can embrace that, you're still finding yourself, you're ever evolving. That's something that I love the idea. You don't want labels because we're consistently growing and changing. There's this quote, I'll probably butcher it, but it's something like when you can, you can never step into the same water twice within a river. It's always flowing. And that's as similar to our lives. We should never be stagnant. And right now I could say I'm a podcaster, but I don't think that's too much of a limiting label compared to other, like the athlete idea saying athletes can't read. Oh man, like if you you take a step back, I'm almost 99% sure that almost every NFL professional athlete reads because they realize the top performers 
of any avenue, whether it's writing or speaking, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, they, the, the reading, the input, your input is your output. And it's just, it's shocking that we allow ourselves, if we don't have that parenting figure, like you referred to, that lets you know you are unique, you're one of one, and it don't allow the opinions of others to define you because they're opinions, they're not facts. But for me specifically, my dad was not that type of figure. He did not install values into me. So that's kind of why I was easily labeled. I was also a huge people pleaser because I didn't want anyone to dislike me. And now I've come to realize not that people need to dislike me, but I will be respected. I don't really care if you like me. You'll respect me because you'll see I'm consistent with my character and I'm not ever wearing a mask. Oh, I wish I realized this at a younger age, but better late than never. Um, I totally am listening to where you're at and then like the background of the story is very similar to even mine and a lot of people's in general to some degree you know many of us didn't get this type of learning when we were younger based on the struggles that we were going through and it's a big reason why I created the personal philosophy you know program and course that I'm now in the middle of making and fin finalizing Personal philosophy at the core tells you who you are based upon a few given factors about yourself. And it's based on you being more introspective, asking deeper questions about your own self and allowing that to emerge into something that you can express to others. It's something that you can say, this is me, regardless of where you're at, right? And it's it's so important um, to have this background of personal philosophy that I don't think a lot of people realize they get excited about it. They, they feel good about it, but they don't know the amount of work that kind of goes into it. And it's, you can easily have a personal philosophy. I think all of us to some degree do, but what you need to do is go layers deeper the value comes when you go layers and layers and layers deeper, when you acknowledge what your story is, when you acknowledge who you are, when you acknowledge the emotions that you're feeling, the thoughts that you're having, all of that constituted around why you exist, what you see for the future, what you are committed to, like what your strengths and weaknesses are, and what you value, the thing that you were saying that your dad didn't instill in you you're going to pick up values elsewhere, but you get to own the ones that you know make the most difference to you based upon what you've seen from others, based upon what you've experienced as something that has lifted your spirit, right? Like you look at other people, I'm sure you've seen people throughout your life, whether they be teachers or coaches or friends or whoever, you've seen something in them that they've done and you're like that, I wanna do that. I wanna be more like that. And those moments are things that you get to learn to replicate. You get to learn to be more like. And 
that's the that's the background that's the basis of what personal philosophy is i could share more about you know the inner workings and how that works but to a degree this what you're talking about absolutely is a personal philosophy problem that can be fixed with personal philosophy yeah the, the philosophy the idea of going a bit deeper i i absolutely am in love with it because you you kind of go through life as a younger person quite distracted not asking the deeper questions and not aware that you're having that mimetic desire I always looked up to the best football players and now I look up to the people I listen to like Jordan Peterson or any of the the amazing podcasters that have allowed me it's like your input your output and now I'm forced to ask more complex questions about myself and definitely we'll we'll go deeper into the personal philosophy something that's helped me so much is simply journaling I never as an athlete I had this stigma against reading writing meditating, all these activities that I do on a daily basis now that completely bring clarity to my mind and allow those deeper questions to, sometimes I'm not even asking them, but they just pop up. It's like the consciousness pushes you towards who you're supposed to be once you've taken a bit of time to get clear and quiet and actually enjoy solitude. Uh, For a long time, I could not be alone. I never wanted to be alone. And that clearly now when I look back on it was because I didn't ask deeper questions. I was living in such a consistent, distracted state of, I refer to materialism a lot now because philosophy is almost the opposite of materialism. And I think money is a fantastic tool. Uh, you, you need money because that's how you live. We, we have bills to pay, electricity, and it's amazing to have money. But to completely say, I'm working so I could get this car and to not actually ask the inner questions about what's important to you, how do you want to spend your time, and really get to know your values. So many humans live in that materialist state where it's, they don't realize that that dopamine only comes for a quick bit. Once you get that cool item, it's on to the next item and you never get clear inner serenity. But by actually going into yourself, asking the questions of, who am I? What do I want? What's most important to me? Then you, it's an ever evolving journey, but those, those are good questions to start with for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of like asking yourself questions. This is something that is really highly important in my personal philosophy program. We start off with asking for major questions, which end up breaking down into several questions so we can answer these top level questions. The top level questions, the four questions end up 
allowing you to see who you are or how you can share that, how you can kind of, you know, push it up against the world and see what comes of it. We're all different, like a unique fingerprint, right? So when we ask ourselves questions in personal philosophy, you're not trying to be super deep or super, you know, like you're not trying to be super smart about it. What you're really trying to do is understand and uncover, unearth what's going on. And you're trying to do all of the different things that make you start to think about, you know, these four questions or these four aspects about who you are. I label them as purpose, vision, mission, and values. Now, you probably heard of these terms before. They're leadership terms. They're not new. The problem is, is that we look at them from separate angles. We don't really look at them. We don't look at them on how they're used together. And the second problem that ends up happening is we bunch them up together. So I've seen purpose and visions put together by some thought leaders. I've seen mission statements put together with their purpose. I've seen values and purpose put together. I've seen vision values together. It's not inherently separate. And that's an issue because you, how do you know where the lines are? There's separate terms for separate reasons. You, you don't, we're not just going to say like, you know, A equals A, A equals B. Sure. But not really, you know, maybe like in math, but not, not with, not with this. And the reason why I saw that as an issue is because I was having a hard time defining what mine are. And I wanted to learn from other people so that they could tell me, okay, this is how you do it. This is what you do. It took me a long time to figure it out because what would end up happening, Justin, is I would figure something out. I would write it down and then I would kind of like feel good about it for a few minutes, maybe a day. And then the next day it wasn't really being applied. And that's inherently the biggest issue with a lot of leadership programs or anything that talks about purpose, vision, mission, or values. So we don't know how to base this in our reality and how to make this stick, how to claim it really. And it took me a while and I found little tricks that allowed me to be able to do it, but it wasn't about just the tricks. It was first the strategy and being able to see it from the first, the premise, the, the actual premise of what these things are. What are they? How can I define that to myself? How can I now work to actually making it to, you know, what this is for me? What is my vision? What is my mission? How does that all constitute then into something that I could share? And that really tells other people who I am, like, what do I think? And where do I find value in the world? Where do I find meaning? Um, we don't talk about these things because, right, like most of us are trying to move away from these tribal people's opinion society where we're sort of defined as of right now, but we see something on the other side thinking, you know, there's more to life than this, like you were saying, and there's more people, there's cooler people out here who are doing cool things. Let me see how I can be a part of that. Let me see how I can actually be a part of doing this thing that's showing up and being a creator in the world. But not only that, 
it's like being compelling, right? Because there's the other aspect too. In personal branding, you can do all the activities. It doesn't mean you're going to get anywhere. I've seen tons of people post consistently day after day after day. They don't go anywhere because they're not compelling enough. They're not sharing their personal philosophy. They haven't defined it to a way where they can really attract those like-minded people. So I think that's the biggest barrier right now. Not only you know, knowing what personal philosophy is great. Now you know what it is, but how do you do it? How do you actually make it apply to something that you can use and see? And that's why I talk specifically about it with leaders, creators, founders, because I know they have personal brands that they have to create and make. And that's essentially what's going to help drive that value because they look at their personal brands like assets and they look at them like something they need to cultivate rather than somebody who just wants to create, you know, somebody who's just coming, stepping onto the scene, essentially. Yeah, that's quite something that I need to unravel myself because the, I I do mix that up often, the, the mission, the vision, the purpose, and the values. I, I'd love to hear more about how you've defined those and actually put them into specific categories because those terms are important to me but it's it is quite easy to have them come and mesh together rather than to really understand which one you're specifically cultivating at a certain time and it it definitely takes a bit of work to understand because they they definitely intertwine a bit but they're also they are different and that's part of the whole being compelling aspect is a lot of us understand we're we're trying to help people we're looking to explain our personal philosophy but how do we do that in a manner that is completely unique to us and like you said that so we can attract those like-minded individuals who do have a similar personal philosophy. So what, what are your methods to defining those areas? So my method to defining these areas has come over a while of looking at these different areas and trying to, you know, really see how do these separate. And The way I can contextualize it for you right now and for anybody who's listening is that you look at your purpose as something is why you're here, right? Like the why behind what you do. We all need purposes. We all need imperatives. It's, it's, it's known that underneath everything, you need to have a reason for it. And your reasoning is based upon your critical thinking and being able to really, really look at, okay, is this a solid background to what it is that I'm presenting here? Does this make sense? I can say what my purpose is, but then I have to back it up with stories and reasoning and actual data for it to make sense. Because you can just say what a purpose is. And a lot of people have, you know, reasons why they exist and they all sound the same. But the reason why they're, they're different is because you have that background story to you. 
And that story goes all the way back to your origins, to why you exist, how you came, you know, into being. You get to decide what that is. For some people, they decide that, you know, is based upon what their religion says, what their parents say. And I think to some degree, those are slightly true. But you, when you own what your purpose is, when you decide what that is, looking at the patterns throughout your life, you are going to find you know, something to really constitute what the value is that you're here for and what it's meant for, right? Because there's value in you and it's meant for something. Now, a vision is what that value is, is when it's actually created, like what happens at the end of it. You talk about visions. We talk about visions to some degree, you say, I want this. I can see a big house. I can see, you know, the the white picket fence and a dog and all these different things. You see that in your mind. I painted a picture slightly of that. But if you go detailed, deeper and deeper and deeper, you can start to see, okay, there's something behind this that is inherently me. And this value, if I continue to contribute and I continue to share it, this is what's going to end up happening. But the problem is, is that purposes, you can kind of go into a circle, right? I'm like, I'm doing my purpose. I'm doing my purpose. And you can go into a circle. You're never really going to go anywhere. That's why you need a vision. And how fast you get there is based upon your mission. It's based upon your mission because your mission is based on like fuel and acceleration and what you're committed to, you can't have consistency without commitment. And you need to know what your strengths and weaknesses are in order for you to be committed to something. You know what I'm saying? So when we understand what your deep down levels, like I know what your strengths and weaknesses are, we know what to work on. We know how to orient and balance certain things. And then we can start to make smart goals specific, measurable, attainable, results-oriented, and time-based. So that's when you don't really get there until you really, I'm like, okay, I'm not, here's the thing. Um, one of my weaknesses is consistency, actually. I took the StrengthsFinder test. I took the StrengthsFinder test um, from Gallup. You can take that online. I think it's like 50 bucks, but it's probably, it's a really good 50 bucks spent. Because it'll, it'll list 34 different strengths, usually in the workplace, professional work, workplace, what your strengths are. And you would focus on the top five to 10, really. The rest are just sort of, you know, they're probably strengths other people have. But consistency is at the bottom. And now I know you said this, you're really consistent online. You, you keep showing up. And that was not always me. I needed to commit. I needed to find a reason to do certain things. I needed to see what was going to come out of it in order for me to put in the work to do it. So I have no problem putting in the work. It's just a matter of actually directing and orienting towards a goal that was super important to me. I'm one of the people that you'd call like a driven person. And if I let that drive kind of go at it, that becomes a weakness in and of itself because it's just going, not going anywhere. So you, you don't have to be like me to have, you know, good mission. You can be completely opposite. You don't have to feel like you're the most driven person in the world, but what a mission will do, it will orient you and help you 
squeeze your it'll help you squeeze your talents in a way where you can shape it and push forward so one of my highest strengths is actually i think it's strategy probably strategic i'm and i did not know that i was just like i'm kind of oriented like i like how things work i like frameworks and i like how people connect things and i didn't realize this was being strategic until i took that strengths finder test and it was at the top so if you don't know what your strengths are highly recommend you take a look at that that will start to orient you to what even your purpose could possibly be because they do overlap in some type of way but it'll give you a background to what you're really good at that you can use to pushing forward and making sure your vision comes true and your values are really the things in the meantime of what you stand for how you express yourself because you have a unique style you justin has a unique style i and i have a unique style and our values are a part of sharing that style. Um, I highly imaginative. I value imagination. I value intimacy. So going deep into conversations, that's really great. Sharing stories, sharing personal accounts on certain things, personal experiences, that's developing intimacy for me. And that's honestly where a lot of, you know, cash comes from when people start to feel more intimate with you because they feel like they ha- they can relate to you they feel like you're somewhat memorable to them <clears throat> and these are things that are those values are you being able to build that intimacy with people so if you derived i mean like we can say i value honesty most all of us kind of value honesty to what degree do you value honesty like are you a major truth seeker? You know, like how truth seeking are you? Uh, how, how honest are you even like, are you blunt and honest? Are you direct and honest? Or are you open and honest? Like there's a lot of different ways that that style of honesty starts to convey itself. I think for me, honesty isn't in my values, like my top five to 10, because it's just a given it, it comes with the territory, right? comes with the territory of the other ones that I hold true. If I want to have freedom, if I want to be unique, if I want to be imaginative and bold, I'm sure as hell going to have to be honest about it. There's no way I'm going to be able to be those things because honesty becomes a prerequisite. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, that's those concepts in a nutshell. Um, But we can go deep for days on these things for sure it's it's a lot of fun to kind of dig into it yeah you have me wanting to take some time and just write down and journal about these categories because i i'm quite clear on them but am i as clear as i could be not really i definitely could dive a deep dive a bit deeper into this and the idea of the prerequisites i like that i it's easier for people to say these basic things that are are overlooked sometimes but if you're aiming to be authentic I think that definitely involves being honest. And a lot of this refers into emotional intelligence, understanding how do we want to convey ourselves. I I viewed myself as someone who 
always tells the truth. But now I look back and I'm like, well, could I be a bit kinder in telling the truth? Could I maybe give the person, let's say they just performed, and rather than telling them my blunt truth right now, maybe I give them a day for the, their emotions to cool down if they just did something that was very emotional. And it's this idea of being empathetic and understanding that each person definitely has emotions and we should be gentle with people even if our top value is being honest. And the intersection between the mission, purpose, values, and what was the last one? Mission, purpose, values. What was, what's the last Vision. one? Vision. Vision. So yeah, I, I need to take some time and get super clear on these because they they can mesh together in this way. If you don't take a, a moment to really write them down. And I, I definitely imagine that what you're providing in your course, that is super helpful because it's going to allow people to get 100% clear with how they want to spend their time. What is the reason they're spending that time and just asking questions, like we mentioned at the beginning, if you don't ask yourself questions and partake in self-reflection, it's so easy to go through the days with, with no clarity, kind of like, like a lot of people do. They go through their days and they numb themselves rather than actually figuring out who they want to be, why do they want to be that person? For me, I think my dad wasn't around a lot, but my mom was. So something important is valuing that energy. She put so much effort into raising me that is partially my why, or I refer to it my burn, which will definitely change with time. But it's very important to value and make sure the energy that was invested into us grows in a abundant manner. So then my vision, I guess I'm aiming to help the, the younger me because I know there's so much fatherlessness in the world. And it's, see, this could intertwine with the why as well. So I definitely need to take a bit of time to clarify these, but it's, it's interesting to at least ask yourself these questions. It means that you're pursuing a better self. You're trying to become a, a human who is actually bringing resources to the world rather than being a professional consumer like most people are when you create it surely isn't easy you're going to have a lot of moments where oh maybe you doubt yourself but that that's why i love the idea of philosophy in general because our thoughts if we spend all day thinking about a certain thing if it's negative 
our view is going to become negative. So in the journey of being a creator, someone who provides value to others, you will have moments that are challenging. And that's why the, the consistent pursuit of maybe correcting your thoughts, I think it's a journey of replacing poor habits with better habits, replacing negative thoughts with thoughts that are going to encourage you. And it really, we just have to embody that the journey is consistent and it takes time. Good things take time. So as long as you're aiming to be better in asking questions, that's a wonderful place to begin. Yeah, definitely. Asking questions is definitely a really good place to begin with this. Um, I feel like with how I'm designing this course and how it's kind of coming to be is interesting to say the least. I think a lot of us, because it's philosophical based, that we're going to want to reason or think through it. And it's tough because the materials, unless they're actually there for you to actually see and sit down with, you're going to reason your way through it and kind of do the same thing that I did, but then take 10 years doing it. Right. And I want to have, I want to make it so that you understand those concepts and then you start to build them. You have the know-how to how like build these things throughout your life. That's essentially the goal. Uh, and when I'm able to distill that for you, that will allow you to think better. But not only that, it will allow you to think and use those critical thinking skills so that you can really, you know, expand upon your philosophy. I'd say most people's when they start off are they're just small. They're not they're not at a state where there can be an expansion of who you are. When I take personal philosophy into personal branding, the whole goal is how do we expand you so that you can essentially share this value? We took time finding it. We took time labeling what this is. Now, what can we do to orient how you market yourself, how you promote yourself, how you brand yourself in a way where it's actually true to the expression of who you are? And that's the hardest part. Most people think that they're doing it and they're not. I, I see it all the time. And I think you can debate me and say, I, I think I'm doing it. And then I'd say, okay, well, where are you getting any traction uh, and what you're doing? Are you getting anyone to notice what you're doing? Are you really landing with people? Are you making that impression? Now, there's other things involved with it, like audience building and you know, networking and other tactics that you can do to kind of get yourself that initial start. But if you don't, if it's not showing up in, you know, your branding or the external design or the messaging or the, the content or the website or whatever it is, it's all going to land slightly flat. And that's the goal is I want to define it as well where you can now take it and make something of it. Now, if we, like I said, if we start this off in the beginning, most people have a way of looking at it that doesn't help them expand. 
And then therefore your brand is going to be as big as you think it is. Because you're not thinking about all the ways that, you know, you're not really tapping into that personal philosophy. And it's a process, really. You know, like we, it's a process of learning what are, what are my stories? How can I connect them? Where do I see the future going? Uh, what are my strengths and weaknesses? What are my values specifically? And I'm just asking some very basic questions, but it goes miles deeper than what I'm saying. Miles deeper. So I'm, I'm looking forward to actually sharing the materials around this. I think it'll give people a better constitution of what you know their personal philosophy possibly could be. And the four questions that I was telling you about, I'm actually in the process of uh, creating a really beautiful and lovely lead magnet um, that you know, it's just kind of like a short book where you can kind of fill things out, get journaling prompts from, but it will ask you the tough questions that are hard to ask, hard to answer. And, you know, we dive straight into those in the topic of personal philosophy principles, for sure. The premise of hard questions, that's where this all becomes. I mean, who who becomes a creator without thinking can can i provide value to people do i have something to share and to to create you're actually you're investing in yourself because you unless you're completely arrogant which 99% of creators aren't you understand there is something to be learned from people who are ahead of you and I love the idea there's so much more unknown than what we know to accept we're, we're continuously learning and to be to have the abilities to speak with you right now. I'm learning because we're having an in-depth conversation and you have spent so much time in your specific realm, which you're, you're amazing at personal branding. And that's something that I need to work on. So by listening, by being open to all of your experiences, I am furthering myself. And it all comes with the acceptance that there is a continuous learning process. And I still do need to take some time to figure out okay, I think I know what my strengths and weaknesses are, but can I become clearer on them? Can I dial down to a few that really I think are the foundation to my my vision or my mission? But it's all about this acceptance that every day is an opportunity to learn. If you go into the creative side of anything, writing or or making videos or selling a course, your personal brand in general, you should always be curious of what are they doing and how did they get to that place? Like you're much further than me, yet you were in the cohort with AOP. So it's all about putting your ego to the side and really just a continuous everyday process of 
aiming to ask deeper questions, reflect upon how one spends their time. Like, it, it's very easy. Do you watch two hours of Netflix? Or do you take an hour to list your strengths and your weaknesses? Well, if you want to be someone who helps others grow and strengthen your personal brand, strengthen the ability to reach and help people be, become better, um, more healthy, whatever avenue you're specifically going down, you have to be able to learn and just put that ego to the side. It, as some, I, I know we all have egos, but it is just so easy to let that take over who we are and to be a person who thinks you know everything. And when you, when you think you know everything, you actually know nothing. So I, the biggest piece of becoming better is just having that acceptance. Okay, there's more to learn. And I really have to be open to even people who I might disagree with, because there's always something to be taken from any type of conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know where to go with the conversation. I feel like we're really, really deep into this. I would love to know if you have any other questions related around, is it personal branding or personal philosophy that I could maybe share with you? Because there's just so much, I think like when you get so deep in the conversation, where do we go from here? Like, how do we, how do we move to another subject? So I'd love to leave it over to you, Justin. Um, you know, where do you want to go from here? I think I, since your specialty is personal branding, maybe what do you, I'm very big on habits. Are there any habits that serve you in your creative process that you'd like to share with people because that's what's helped me change my life is I usually I don't want to wake up at 3 45 in the morning but my habits I know I have to get to the gym at five or, or get to the gym early so what what do you do on a routine basis that keeps your creative process strong and continuous yeah um I wouldn't say, you know, habits to me aren't necessarily like the, the way to be creative for me. I don't think it is. Um, I don't think I have the best habits, to be honest. I think it can improve my habits in a way where I can definitely optimize certain things. But I think that creativity to me is first seeing an opportunity, keeping my eyes peeled Number one, being staying aware of opportunities that I feel excited about. And then number two, doing them. I like don't leave it up to a lot of other things besides those two things. The other thing, if I get wrapped up into like whether or not I can do something, it's do I have time to do it? Is it something that I really, really want to do? Um, I've never, I've just been the person who just said, do it, you know? Um, now, I know a lot of people aren't like me just to have like, you know, it, it's a personality trait. It, it's a, it's a certain personality trait, I think. But I think if you, 
wanted to create the habits to possibly create, um, I think first you have to commit to being online and sharing number one, I mean, you don't have to be online and share, you know, your creations, but you do get a lot more out of it when you do, because you get to share whatever it is that you're working on. And it's in its moment of what it is. So like artists, they share beginning, middle and end photos of their work. You can do that with your work. If you're not an artist, you're an artist of something, you're an artist of athletics, you're an artist of science, you're an artist of something. So knowing what that art is that you want to lean into, I think that's the biggest thing that you, you got to know. Committing number two, because like playing just do it type of style, but committing to doing a certain amount of things that will impact your bottom line. So again, I always look at everything as, does this help my bottom line? Does this help me get my word out? Does this help me be seen? Does this help me get more engagement or more followers or something? Um, now, I'm a marketer. I understand these backgrounds, like how they're all important. And I can tell when something goes down and I'm like, ah, you know, it's not going the right way. And I have a good insight into this. Now, most people don't. So I think what you need to do is focus on one metric that you need to improve upon. So if it's followers, you need to start networking and making better content. This is number one. And telling your stories as well, because that actually attracts more followers. If you want you know, more reach, you're going to have to network really heavy with big accounts that will allow your stuff to get more reach. If you want more engagement, you have to be a little bit more polarizing and interesting. Most people are not interesting whatsoever. So you have to be a little, you have to push some buttons. Um, so I think you have to know what you want. How are these things impacting what it is that you want? How many sales do you want at the end of the day? You know, we don't talk about that all that often, but sales are important. How many times are you putting out your link to your lead magnet, lead magnet with, which actually ends up being something that you know, once downloaded, there's a number or an email or form that, you know, somebody can kind of go into. So lead generation, essentially, how is that happening? Um, knowing what your bottom line is, will start to orient how you want to do certain things. Cause you, you can't do everything that you want to do. Right. And then also not everything that you want to do is going to lead to something that matters or makes sense to you. Um, so I always, equated to those two things. And then once I understand it, then I'm like, let's go, let's not waste any time. Let's do it. <clears throat> yeah. I, I have learned so much from speaking with you because you are surely unique and as we all are, but you have this specialty in marketing that I have not spoken to a single person who is in that realm so deep and there, uh, the opportunity to learn from you is, is amazing. And I am at <laughs> some point in the day today going to look back into this conversation and work because you've brought to the surface of my mind multiple ideas and concepts that I need to put some time into clarifying. But Overall, it's nice to 
to at least see the the effort that I'm putting in and how at least maybe I'm not perfectly on track, but you're never perfect. So I'm taking the slow steps to improve. And it's by, by reaching out to you, I've had the opportunity to speak with a, your personality is different as in I've been talking to a lot of philosophy type people or strictly value type people and just your ability to dial in in the art of branding representing who you want to be and what the the key characteristics of growing an audience this conversation was quite diverse from where we started to where we ended but overall it's been an amazing opportunity to speak with you and you've just given me a lot to think about. So I thank you for that. And if you want anyone to reach you, her at on Twitter is Sana the monster. Is there anything else that the guests should know or that um, the, the listeners yeah, should know? Yeah. Thank you so much. And, you know, it's been a pleasure to chat with you and listen to how you reason and think through things. It's, I think you're doing some important work that people need, you know, and if you want to reach me, uh, if you want to learn more about personal philosophy and how I use personal philosophy and personal branding, if you want to learn more about that and go on a deep dive and maybe even get better at it, um, definitely follow me at son of the monster on Twitter and on Instagram and a few other platforms. I think just search son of the monster and I should probably come up. Um, if you want to go to my website, it's sanaahmed.com. I think you can also do sanaahmed.com and it should link there. Um, but other than that, reach out. Um, I'm very excited to share materials. I feel like, you know, when I give new concepts, when people give new concepts, um, it's always fun to kind of think about these things on our own. But if you really wanted to take a deep dive and get better at it, um, you know, I'm about to release my course soon. And I'm excited because I think that will give you a platform for you to be able to dive deep and connect things and, and have that time to get that background and also be around other people who are doing it as well. So um, all to that, again, thank you, Justin, for inviting me and, and uh, letting me be your guest today and sharing personal philosophy and personal branding with your audience. And thank you. I, it was an honor to speak with you. And I just, I'll, I'll continue to, I'll reach out to you in the future because you've given me a lot to think about. So I'm grateful for your, your great, your ability to share with me because now I am inspired to ask some deeper questions and clarify my mission, my values, my purpose, and to understand the difference between all of those sectors. So thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Justin. I definitely will. And I hope you and your audience has an amazing day as well. Thank you.